Ketzarayim Tov, we continue in the Haggadah Shel Pesach with the commentary of Rabbi Yaakov of Lisa Lorberbaum. And we're moving now to uh, the Kiddush, and specifically the bracha of Shehechiyanu, Vikiyamanu, Vihigiyanu, Lazman Hazeh. What do those three words mean? Shehechiyanu, that God has given us life, he has caused us to live. Vikiyamanu, and he has maintained us. Vihigiyanu, and we have reached this time. So the tzaddik wants to understand what are these three expressions? What are we, what is this bracha saying? We, we, we made a bracha of Bore Priyagofen. We made a bracha of Kiddush. The Kiddush is we declare the sanctity of the Pesach and we declare how Hashem has a special relationship with us that he gave us this Yom Tov and we are ushering in the holiness of the Yom Tov. What's the purpose of the Shechayanu blessing? What does it do for us? It's, it's obviously a thanks. So the question, what are you thanking Hashem for? <clears throat> that we're alive to celebrate? Okay. So why do you need three different words? <clears throat> Shechayanu, that he has, has, has caused us to be alive. Vikiyamanu, it has maintained us. And we have reached this time. Just say, God has kept us alive for this time. Or, we have reached. Why do you need three different words? So, Tzadik says a beautiful interpretation. And that's something we should think about when we make the Shechayanu now, every time we make a Shechayanu Bracha, which uh, that's going to be coming up now. With Pesach, but a number of times during the year, when the holidays come along. I under, but what are we accomplishing with the bracha? We made Kiddush already. Kiddush is a blessing that we've recognized the sanctity of the day, and the day is sanctified. Okay, it's a Kiddush holiness. So, what are we exactly thanking? Is it is it just we're we're glad to be alive? Is that what it's all about? Or is there more? So let's discuss this. <clears throat> so the tzaddik explains the following. Hashem is known by the words chai, which means alive, vekayam, and he, and he exists, he is maintained. And when we say the Baruch Sha'amar prayer every morning to start off Sukkot Zirma in a description of Hashem, we say, Baruch, blessed is, Chai Lo'ad, the living one, Lo'ad, forever, Vikayam Lo'netzach, and is maintained forever as well. Seems to be a double expression. So what do we mean by that? So now he explains, when, when Hashem is referred to as alive, Chai, so what does that mean, that God is alive? Is he alive like me and you and we breathe? How do we understand the word that Hashem is alive? So some suggest, well, alive isn't, remember, even though Hashem allows us to describe him in ways that are hard to understand. Do you have any success, Steve? No, it's, it's broken again. 
Aha, okay. Thank you very much for helping. So anyway, so some say, we say he's alive to, to imply not the opposite. He's not dead. Because <laughs> a lot of uh, atheists say God is dead. So we say, he's not dead. He's alive. Not the way me and you are alive. But he's alive and not dead. That's one way. It's like a, a description of what he's not. He's not dead. Okay, he's alive. However, there's another interpretation. And that is Hashem is the life force of the world. Hashem is alive means he gives life to others. Okay? And that's that's the concept. He's he's a he's a living God, meaning he's he gives life to everybody. Now, so therefore, it's not really a description of what Hashem is. It's a description of what he does. Now, the word kayom, which means he's maintained, he exists, that's an appropriate term because Hashem does exist. Kayom, he, he's maintained, he, he's there. And he's always, without any changes, it says in Malachi, Ani Hashem lo shanisi, I'm Hashem, I've never changed. So therefore, we understand like this. When we say that Hashem is chai, he's alive, what does that really mean? He gives life. So he's giving life to the world as it exists. The world exists. You know why this world exists and is alive with the atoms and the protons and the neutrons and the molecules? Hashem gives life to existence. So let's think about this. Before Hashem created the world, was there anything? No. It was just he and himself and his name, and that's it. And when the and when existence is all over and the world will cease to exist, Hashem will continue to be there. Now, before he created the world, and after the world will cease to be, Hashem cannot be called Chai anymore because there's nothing for him to give life to. So when we describe Hashem as Chai, as the one who gives life, that's only when there's a world. But before there was a world and after there would be no world, we can't call God Chai. <clears throat> only as long as the world exists. So when we say Hashem is Chai Lo'ad in the, in the, in the Baruch Shemar, meaning Chai Lo'ad means he brings life Lo'ad. Lo'ad means forever in this world. This world, from the beginning till the end, is lo'ad. What is, the question is, what does forever mean? What does forever mean? Now, forever as long as the world exists or forever beyond? It's a different sense of forever. So when we say Hashem is chai lo'ad, it means as long as this world exists, God gives life to this world. That's chai lo'ad. What about kayom lo netzach? Netzach means eternal. Eternal means forget about the physical realm. It's just forever infinitum. And that God is kayom. He exists forever infinitum. So that's very important. When we call Hashem chai vekayom, melech chai vekayom. Chai means he gives life. He gives existence to all of us, and that only can be as long as the world exists. 
before the world came into being, after Hashem is not called Chai, because there's nothing to give life to. But then when we say that Hashem is Kayom, He exists. Well, that's Lonetza, that's eternal. He exists with or without a world. And therefore, the Jewish people as well, because we're in the image of God, are called Chayim Vakayamim. We're alive and we exist. As uh, Rashi <clears throat> explains to us that concept over there, where it's where we'll see in a minute where Hashem will never leave, let us be alone. And this is how we understand a Pusik at the end of Dvarim. When we come to Eretz Yisrael, and there's going to be the new future of the Jewish people, we're not in the desert anymore, and now we're uh, exposed to the vicissitudes of life and existence. Hashem says to them, the Amosha, Lo yarpecha, I will not loosen my attention to you, and I will not leave you. So what is that difference between loosen my grip, so to speak, or leave you? So the understanding is like this. There's two aspects that the Jewish people have to be concerned about. Our physical well-being and our spiritual well-being. Those are two separate things. And Hashem knows we're going to Eretz Yisrael, but we're not going to be there forever. We're going to eventually go into Golis. When we go into Golis, we need two kindnesses for Hashem. Without them, we'll cease to exist. One is we're physically in danger of extinction because the non-Jews try to kill us. And unfortunately, we've, their history has shown that to be very true. As we say in the Agoda, in each and every generation, they come to destroy us. And Hashem, with His great kindness, saves us from their hands. And that is a great kindness of Hashem. And that is the concept where Hashem says, I will not leave you. Lo I will not leave you. If I leave you, you'll be physically destroyed. That's one aspect. But there's a second aspect in the exile. That what is that? The non-Jewish influence or the uh, assimilation challenges could cause us to maybe be physically alive, but spiritually dead. We don't do mitzvahs. We don't learn Torah. We will totally integrate into the non-Jewish world. And therefore, Hashem didn't forget us with that. And Hashem now wants us to exist forever. Kayom. And how is that? It's very interesting. What, what, how do we say in Hebrew to do a mitzvah? In Hebrew. The biblical... Mekayim mitzvah. Isn't that a strange word? What should we say? Do mitzvahs. Asa. A say. It's, if we call a Jew who does mitzvahs is mekayim mitzvahs. Which means to fulfill mitzvahs. Very strange word, isn't it? Just say to do mitzvahs. The answer is the mitzvahs keep us existing as Jews. And therefore, the second kindness is Hashem lo yar Hashem will not loosen his grip upon us and will still be able to be dedicated Jews. And therefore, we say the Jewish people are also chayim v'kayamim. We're physically alive and kayim, and we exist as Jews spiritually. The danger in Golis, we're Jews. There's two dangers. 
One danger, non-Jew could take a gun and shoot us and we're not high. <laughs> Another danger, they love us. It's great. We're very important people. But we get influenced, we don't we don't act like Jews. And we're not kayom. We don't exist anymore. We're not maintained as Jews. And we know that just like Hashem is a melechai v'kayom, so the Jewish people are chai v'kayom as well. So we need Hashem in both of these aspects. Now we can understand the bracha. The last time we made, when was the last time we made the shechianu bracha? Guys, that you, by mandated. What? Purim. At Hanukkah before that. And Sukkot before that. But forget about buying new clothes. So what we're saying, and we say this a number of times through the year, we say Pesach, Shavuos, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Hanukkah, Purim. New Year of Peace. I'm sorry? New Year of Peace, Elan. Uh, Elan, no. Uh, the what? The New Year of Peace. Or the new fruit. The New Year of the Trees? We don't make a Shekhiya, no. No, no. For the new fruit, what we do? No, no, but we're, talk we're talking mainly about passage of time. Okay. Passage of time. Passage of time. So what are we saying? We're saying number one, and as we're in the Golos especially, we're saying Hashem, number one, Shehecheyonu. We are physically alive. Chai, you, you are physically keeping us alive. Vikiyamanu means what? We're spiritually alive. We're Kayam. We're still Jews. Still we're, we're, we're celebrating as Jews. Now, obviously, a Jew who's not at the Seder is not making a Shecheyonu, is he? <laughs> Right, so we thank hey, Hashem. Isn't it also? I'm sorry. Sorry for interrupting. Sorry for interrupting, but isn't it also that Hashem has infused each of those periods of time with a specific um, aspect, and so we're thanking Him for that well, infusion and not just the history. Well, that's really the kiddish. Of the that's really the kiddish. No, but I'm saying Pesach is freedom, so we're thanking Hashem for providing us with freedom, the aspect of freedom. That's not the Shechiyonu bracha. That, that's what the holiday provides. Okay, and that's through the various... And that's through the various... But that's through the various mitzvahs that we do. Okay? But we're thanking Hashem that we are here. We're physically here today as a Jew. And I'm spiritually alive as a Jew. And the third point is... The truth of the matter is many times people want to do things. I want to be a Jew. I want to do mitzvahs. But you need a lot of chesed from Hashem that you succeed in all the details. That you're able to do them in the nicest way for Hashem. And that's what vehikiyanu means. We've reached the stage of the mitzvahs that are being done at this time. In other words, we're saying Shechayonu, that number one, I thank you, Hashem, that I'm alive to celebrate this holiday. Number two, I'm a Yid, and I'm a spiritual Jew who's come to this holiday. 
And also that you've let me come to this stage that, you know what, I'm able to successfully celebrate Pesach. You could keep me alive, Hashem, and you could keep me spiritually alive. But what if I fail in any ability to celebrate this holiday for circumstances beyond my control? And if, no, but it's say, and, and here I are. We're at the Seder. Look at everything that's here. It's like Mamish unbelievable. We've got the matzahs. We got we're, we're ready to go. Thank God. And if you were poor, that's why it's so important. Most money for the poor, that the poor man is able to. It's so important that everybody can do the mitzvahs. Now I know, of course, the question you're going to ask at this point, and what's the question? How could the Jews in the Holocaust have said Shechiyon? So this is the great story with uh, the blush. I think it was the blush of a Rebbe. I think it was. Maybe I could have mixed up a Rebbe, whatever. And it was the first night of Hanukkah in the concentration camps. It's a famous story. And uh, somehow they're able to get up a little bit of uh, shoe polish face and a little scraps from people's... Uh, uh, prison outfits. And that was made a little little candle lighting. It had to be hush-hush at night. Hundreds of people in the, what do you call it? The, not yeah. the camp, the barracks. And the Rebbe starts the first bracha on the candles, the second bracha on the candles. There's like 100 people there. And before he starts the third bracha, he looks around. He makes the bracha shechiyot. This comes a very secular Jew, a very clever and smart secular Jew who's there too. He says, Rebbe, I don't understand. How could you thank Hashem? Thank you for putting me into this situation? So what's the answer? He said, you know what? Yutaka, it's a good question. And that's why before I made that third bracha, I looked around the room. But when I looked around the room and I saw over 100 people are, are hanging on every word I'm saying. And they're willing to risk their lives because if, if an officer comes in, we're all punished. I said, you know what? We're very lucky that we're able to do your mitzvahs. Shechiyonu. So therefore the Shechiyon, because they were able to achieve it. Now, of course, they didn't achieve it with all the Hidurim, what we would have liked. But the fact that we're doing it, the fact that even, do they, do you say, did they have to, did they say Shechiyon on the first night of the Seder in the concentration camps when they're eating bread instead of matzah? Yes. Why? Because they're, they're trying to keep Pesach in the spiritual sense. Many stories about that. So this is the triple aspect of this bracha. The triple aspect is I'm physically alive, I'm spiritually alive, and I'm successfully accomplishing it. And I think that's a very important message before you start. Um, you've made the Kiddush, and by ending the Kiddush, you go to that point. Okay, we move now to the next part of the Haggadah. Is, uh, well, we go to Urchatz, we wash our hands, Karpas, Yachatz, begin the Magid. And the beginning of the Magid, so to speak, or at least the starting point before we actually start to make it, is Hol Anya.
This is the bread of affliction. It is in Aramaic. It's not in Hebrew. It's the only part of the Haggadah that's in Aramaic. This is the bread of a poor man that our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Anyone who is hungry, have him come and eat. Anyone who needs, let him come and celebrate Pesach. Now we're here. Next year we'll be in Eretz Yisrael. Now we're servants. Next year we'll be free people. So the tzaddik asks no less than seven questions on this short paragraph. And many of them are obvious. The first question is, why is this in Aramaic? The entire Haggadah is written in the type of Hebrew that's the language of Mishnayos, which is pure Hebrew. So why do we start with Aramaic, number one? Number two, we're inviting poor people to our table. Why, by all the holidays, only by Pesach, do we give this invitation and not other holidays? How about we sit down on Sukkot? Let's say Halach Ma'anya as well. Or let's just invite people at the table. It's not part of our, uh, what do you call it, the, our, our liturgy, that after Kiddush we say, okay, who wants to come and eat? And of course, the next question that follows is, if you're asking anyone to eat, you should have asked before. This is already after Kiddush. It's in a little later. Say, whoever wants to come can come. And number four, why is it called the Lechem Oni, bread of poor people? And we also say it's what our fathers ate in Egypt. The truth of the matter is the main part of the matzah is because our dough couldn't rise when we left Egypt. Why are you saying it's what our fathers ate in Egypt? Number six, why do we repeat the two ideas that are the same. Now we're here, next year in Israel. Now we're slaves, next year we'll be free. It's a repetition. And the Rambam tells us that this halachma on your prayer was only when uh, there was no Beis Hamikdash. But when we had a Beis Hamikdash, we didn't say this prayer. So why not? These are the seven questions. So to answer these questions, I hope I can get into everything in all in one shot. If not, we'll have to carry into tomorrow. So he gives three introductory points. And from these three introductory points, we can understand what's going on over here. First point is, let's say a servant who was in jail and he was released. The master released him. Well, he'd be very happy. He would rejoice. And every year he would mark that day joyfully, and he'd make all kinds of blessings that God's kindness got him out of there. And that's the nature of a person, to be happy whenever he remembers that, because, that, oh, that's the day I got out of jail. However, what if that person, yeah, he got out of jail, but years later, he got thrown back in jail with even a worse punishment than the first time? Would he celebrate the first time that he got out of jail. Well, the fact is, things are even worse now than they were before. Would he celebrate the first time he got out? For sure not. Number two, we know when a person has great joy, you want to share it with people. You have a wedding. You invite a lot of people. 
you're, you're very happy, you and you want to make everybody else happy, and the happier you are, the more people you are, of course, within your financial means. And you have more friends, more joy. You know, just like, you know, Achishverosh type of parties, if you could. And that's why we see people who have a lot of money make big parties. The only reason we don't make big parties, we don't have the money. So if you're very happy, you're going to invite a lot of people to your parties. Second point. Third point, many of the Vorshim say the fact of the matter is when the Jews were slaves in Egypt, they did eat matzah. Matzah was the diet of slaves. You know why? Very simple. Because it doesn't take long to make. It doesn't take long to eat. And it digests really slowly. And therefore, power want to keep the Jews busy, 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 busy. He doesn't want them wasting time on making bread. So and they, the, uh, so, the and so they clearly ate matzah because that was the food that slaves eat. Okay, now with these three introductions, we can explain everything. So now, when was this paragraph written for the first time? Well, when the Jews were in the base on Mikdash. There's no reason to write this paragraph. But when the base of Migdash was destroyed, now we got to figure, people are wondering, why in the world are we celebrating Pesach? When we now are in a situation that's even worse than we were in Egypt. Actually, I wrote say that. Yes. Worse. Worse than that. We've been during Roman exile. It was horrific. So the Jews were wondering, Besamekdash is destroyed. Things are worse now than in Egypt. What's to celebrate? Why are we making a big Suda with wine and this and that? We're not free anymore. And it's worse. We've been better off. It would have been in Egypt. At least we got something to eat. And they didn't systematically kill them. They were terrible to us. So therefore we preface and say, this is the bread of poverty that our parents ate in Egypt. Now the word lechem, you should know, is not only meaning bread. If you look at biblical references, lechem means a su'uda, a meal. You look at many times in the Torah, Yosef said about to his brothers before he revealed himself, he said, simu lechem. What does that mean? Just put out the bread? It means put out a meal. You find the same thing with Shoal when David did not come to the Rosh Chodesh meal that he said, why hasn't he come for the bread? It's more than bread, it's a meal. So Halach Ma'anya, we're really talking about a meal of poverty. It's not focusing so much on the matzah, well that's part of it, but it's an impoverished meal. Okay. And therefore, we shouldn't really be so happy. What's the happiness helps? We're in Golis, that's worse than the first Golis. We're eating a meal with a bitter heart as our fathers in Egypt also ate with a bitter heart. It's more than just the matzah. Now, when we had a Besamikdash, they didn't say this paragraph because everything was fine, we're happy. But when there's no Besamikdash, so therefore, we begin, so before we start the Seder, and people say, I don't understand why we're having this Suda. Things are, we're, we're, are worse now than they were before. So therefore, we say halach ma'anya to answer the question. And we're saying, you're wondering why we're having such a big party, even though things don't look so well? 
But here's the point we got to know. The fact that God took us out the first time, that's prima facie evidence that he'll do it again. The fact that he will prove this throughout the Haggadah. Hashem would not have taken us out of Egypt just to end up permanently things worse than they are. And therefore, we're fit for a simcha, for leaving in the past, because we know we must get, there will be good times again. And therefore, even though we're having lachma anya, we're having an impoverished meal now like our fathers in Egypt, and they ate in sadness before they were redeemed, but we have great joy. So much so, that if I could right now, Remember, if you're happy, what do you want? You want to have more guests. So we're not inviting guests for the sake of inviting them. We're saying, I'm so happy, even though this meal is a depressing meal because of the goals. Now, it's very interesting. Nowadays, we have probably fancier meals than they had during the Beis Hamikdash, but there's still an aspect of goals. So even though this meal is an impoverished meal, I'm happy. And I'm happy, I want to invite guests. I want to share my happiness. If I could, I would. Not that we're actually inviting them, but I'm so happy that I anybody would come now and make it even happier. That shows how, how happy I am with this, um, with this party that we're having of the Seder. It's clear, and we'll see later on. Because what Hashem did when he took us out of Egypt, we'll learn in the next few days, he didn't just take us out. He acquired us as a people. We're his people. And by taking us out, that gives great covet to Hashem. And the way we exist, that's how it reflects on God. And if we're in a bad state, God cannot let that go on further. There's reasons why we're in a bad state, but that's only temporary. But I'm absolutely sure, maybe not in my generation, but I'm a link for eternal Judaism. We just said, and it's going to always be forever this. And therefore, even if we're not deserving, but for God's honor, he will take us out. Fascinating, fascinating. And therefore, it was done in the Aramaic language to thank Hashem, but more than that, to teach us that this really has nothing to do with the Haggadah. The Haggadah is in biblical, in, in Talmudic Hebrew. But it's an addition that was made in Bavel after the Chorban so that we're able to sit down and understand the Seder properly. You follow? So therefore, this is not part of the Seder. This is a prelude to the Seder. This tells us why we still should have a Seder. And this is where the discussion is with the naysayers, Steve. When I say, why are we celebrating this? This is what it's all about. We we understand that, you know what? This is called a Leil Shimurim, a night of watching. And throughout history, on this night, great miracles happen. When it looked like the Jews are almost finished. And then what happens? Hashem comes along and does great miracles. For example, Daniel was thrown in the lion's den on Pesach night. He survived. Hananiah, Mishal, Nazariah were thrown into a fire. They survived on Pesach night. Whenever it looked so glum, and it looked like it's over. Hashem said, no, no, it's not going to be. It's not possible that you will not be in a better state. This is a temporary state, but we don't give up on that temporary state. And therefore, we're going to have a Seder now with all the excitement, with all the happiness, regardless of the situation. 
This is not a permanent state. And if I give up, it could be a permanent state. But since I know the good times must come, therefore I am very happy. Okay, we still have a question or two to finish up the answers, but we have the main idea. Tomorrow we'll finish up those two, and then we'll move on to Mir Sashem to the Manishtana. It's in Aramaic because to show it's not part of the regular Haggadah. So it was the first person. And remember, the first destruction were in Babylonia where they spoke Aramaic. People didn't know Hebrew anymore. So they don't know Hebrew, we got to do the language at all. But mainly to say it's not really part of the Seder, it's a prelude to the Seder, so that we'll be in the mood to have the Seder.